Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, January 30th, 2022. Here we are at the conclusion of the first month of this new year. Time is already flying by, and yet we have a lot to accomplish in the days ahead. We do. This way of life at LCM, it is biblical, it is fruitful, and it is productive. We do not waste time frolicking in the flowers of fantasy or submarining our lives into the abyss of selfish ambition. No. No! We are daily spending every breath to speedily do the will of our Father and accomplish His supernatural tasks. Amen. In fact, we are to wake up each and every morning with an attitude derived from Isaiah 6, verse 8. Let me read it to you. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I send me man. When each day is done, we want to lay down our head and rest knowing that we have been chosen by God. We have been sent by God and we have completed the full will of God. See, we know that as a church, you have a desire and striving for exactly what Pastor just said. This morning, your pastors want to help you to know how to rightly engage with the Word of God itself this very morning together with you. I mean, let's for a second put your place, put yourself in Isaiah's uh, sandals here as you're engaging with the Scripture. You're called to speak the prophetic Word of God to a nation. You're standing in God's presence, and you first realize that you yourself are ruined. A man of unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips. You need the burning coals from the altar of God to purge and purify your soul so that you can possess the confidence to speak his word. See, this entire process starts with engaging with the word of God. That is that double-edged sword, cutting permeating, even piercing your own heart first. Somebody say, my heart first. My heart first. So that what God entrusts you with will be properly handled. So look, as you turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to pick up at the end of Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel. He was speaking to her about the purpose of her son. And his final words to Mary were to instill the truth that no word from God will ever fail. Her response in verse 38 is both admirable and it is godly. So Luke 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Man, this kind of response shows exactly why Mary was highly favored. Trusting in the Lord's ability to bring about his word in her. That's incredible because the Lord was showing that he was with her and found favor by him. Come on, I love that phrase that he was with her because that reminds me of you, LCM. See, you're not the type of people to dwell in fear when the supernatural presence or even angelic forces of God have manifest to you. See the words, do not be afraid, the Lord is with you. Those are the kind of words that steady you and cause you to press forward in what God is doing. 
See, you're not the type of people to focus on your own uh, inexperience or lack when the task is presented to you. Even when that task is about the very establishment of the eternal kingdom of God on earth. We even have a map up here to constantly remind us of what God is calling us to and to help set up his kingdom here. You know what, saints? You are LCM. You are trusting in the Holy Spirit who will come upon you, overshadow you, so that God's will is accomplished in you. Not only was this an amazing encounter uh, with God's agent, Gabriel, for Mary, but God provided a further witness through the prophetic words of a righteous and devout man of God named Simeon. So let's pick up now in Luke chapter 2, verse 28, with Simeon's words spoken as moved by the Spirit. Luke 2, 28. Somebody say there when you're there. Amen. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. See, just as Gabriel had proclaimed, No word from God will ever fail. Not God's word to Simeon that he would see the Lord's Messiah before he died. Not God's word to Isaiah about the light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of God's people, Israel. Look, consider the historic portent of this moment. Simon is seeing with his own eyes the salvation of all mankind. Prepared in the sight of all nations. In fact, he's seeing in bodily form the word of God made flesh. The one to whom all authority has been granted to. No wonder Joseph and Mary were marveling at this holy moment. But we want to see something. Let's see Simon's next and final words to the amazed couple in verse 34. In 34 it says this, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. See, Simeon's prophetic insight gave Joseph and Mary the clarity of the difficulties that lie ahead and what they were supposed to expect what they would see and hear with their own eyes and ears as Jesus carried out the Father's will upon this earth. Simeon is blessing them. And he's blessing them actually with a reality check. So look, Jesus is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Jesus is the, to be the supernatural sign that will be spoken against. Jesus would expose the thoughts of many hearts through their response to his words and actions. That's just what every parent wants to hear, right? Notice that Simon blesses them. That's how it began. He blessed them with these words. But then he speaks to Mary. What if Mary would have said, my expectations were that my son would focus on the rising of many in Israel, but not necessarily the falling. I thought that he would be loved and received by all, not that he would be a sign spoken against. In fact, I was hoping that he would, he would be a diplomatic, smooth-talking, and very popular Savior. 
the truth is, is that the most pointed part of this prophecy is the personal effect that this entire process would have on Mary. Do you see the last phrase that's on your screen right now? And a sword will pierce your own soul too. A sword will pierce this woman who is favored by God, who is highly esteemed, who is highly exalted. And there is a sword that is supposed to pierce her own soul too. I mean, we're going to need to think about this for a moment. How would a sword have pierced Mary's own soul? Let's start off by considering the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2 in verse 4, where she's telling Jesus about the wine being gone. I mean, come on, sonny boy. Come on, Jesus. Do your thing. We're out of wine. Jesus had piercing words to her in that moment. And what he said was, woman, why do you involve me? Not ma, mama, mama, why are you involving me? He says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour, the 173,880 days from the time that Daniel spoke it forth and the prophecy and the edict went forth in Nehemiah's day. He said, that's not my time yet. I understand a bigger picture. Woman, why are you trying to get me involved the way that you are wanting me to get involved? Those were piercing words from Jesus that were intended to pierce Mary's heart in that moment. Mm. How about Mark 3.21? As Jesus and the disciples are surrounded by a great crowd. And the family of Jesus, they in fact heard about what was going on and they set out to take charge of Jesus. Because, and I quote, they said he is out of his mind. As Mary and the brothers of Jesus arrive, they send someone into the crowded house to beckon unto him, to persuade him for Jesus to come to them and discuss this matter about him being out of his mind and all the behaviors associated with it. Jesus responds in this moment with piercing words. And he says very directly in their hearing, who are my mother and my brothers? What he's doing is that he's rightly identifying true family to be the ones who do the will of the Father. Now, this is a familiar passage for our church here, but understand that they are coming to him, and the scripture says in verse 21, they're going to take charge of Jesus because he is, I quote, out of his mind. This is the engagement that Mary and the brothers are having with Jesus. And this is why he speaks these piercing words. I mean, this is a piercing time for Mary. See, the Savior of the world has just declared that his mothers, I'm sorry, that his mother and brothers aren't real family. Because they are fighting against the will of God instead of fulfilling the will of God in that moment. Jesus is treating his natural, like, bloodline kind of family, just like he would any other person, even like the teachers of the law. What happened in between them saying that he was out of his mind and the verse that we know so well where Jesus is identifying the family of God, they're the teachers of the law saying that he's filled with demon spirits. They are accusing Jesus of demonic possession. His own family is accusing him of being out of his mind. They're in the same category in this moment. See, This piercing effect of Jesus' words, who are my mother and brothers? 
They're the ones who are doing the will of God. That is going to serve to position Mary at a place of ongoing transformation. Say those two words with me. Ongoing Ongoing transformation. transformation. See, as a matter of fact, that's the title of today's sermon is Piercing Effect. The Piercing Effect. Let's turn together to John 19. As you turn, say Piercing Effect. We're going to pick up in verse 25. Of John 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So let's think about this. What was prophesied by Simeon to Mary, namely that the sword would pierce her own soul too, this piercing, in fact, these ongoing piercings, it led to an ongoing transformation in her. This is evidence by the very transformation that we see here in this passage of her familial status. She's experienced ongoing transformation and proving to be part of the family of God because she is now doing the will of God. Just as Jesus said that she must. So much so that Jesus entrusted her to his disciple John and this positioned her to then receive empowerment from heaven shortly after. See, we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 1 now. Turn with us to Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in the narrative immediately after the ascension. Immediately after the two men standing there dressed in white made the promise that the one who they had seen return, that the Messiah, that his return would be in the exact same way that they had just seen him go. Namely, that he would be riding on the clouds. Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. It says this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. See, as the result of having her heart pierced many times over, she has experienced an ongoing and a supernatural transformation. See, from standing outside of the circle, outside of the circle trying to order and direct Jesus at the wedding, Outside of the circle, sitting in judgment by trying to bring her little boy back to his senses. Sitting outside of the circle, working out of shalom to try to persuade him to come, persuade him to come to her. See, these are these moments. And in each of these cases, it was necessary. Somebody say necessary. Necessary. When you're standing outside of the circle of God's will, it is necessary for his word to pierce your soul. 
just like it pierced Mary, to pierce the heart so that ongoing transformation would occur. You don't get ongoing transformation without ongoing piercing from his word. That's true. Saints, realize where we started today with Mary. She had found favor with God and was highly esteemed. That was what was declared over her. The evidence that God was with her. She had wholeheartedly agreed that she was the Lord's servant and desired and even declared that she wanted the word of God to come true for her. Her engagement with the word of God was not an intellectual one. The words spoken to her at the beginning had to be engaged with, and that engagement required ongoing piercing of her own soul. See, because of the sword piercing her own soul too, she is now walking in the obedience to the will of the Father. It's seen clearly through her actions. She's attached there to John in the upper room. We know what happens just verses later as Pentecost, the Spirit of God falls upon that room. See, this is what the piercing of Mary looked like. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. We appreciate that study and what Mary's piercing looked like. It eventually led her to supernatural empowerment as a believer being there on the very day of Pentecost. And this is what it must look like for every real believer. Let's not put it so uh, broad. This is what it must look like for each and every man in this room is to have your own soul pierced by the word of God as well. So let's put this together for us. Have you ever received the word from the heavens that you were excited to hear about? That your heart readily agreed to and say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. May your word to me come true. In that word, you see the evidence of God's promises in it. That God has favored you. He's with you. You have desired and declared that you want his will to come about in your own life. But there's one thing missing. You have not yet experienced the ongoing piercing of your own soul that is required to see God's promises come about. See, this is the way that it has been for every real believer, every true man or woman of God in the word of God, and it is the way that it must be for you and me in this room today. You have to engage with the word of God until it pierces your own soul. When we are talking about this, we are talking about getting in It's not enough to just hear the word of God. It's not enough for you just to read the word of God. You have to wrestle with the text. You have to wrestle with it and find out what God is saying and saying, like Jacob, you can't leave me until you bless me from this passage, Lord. I want to wrestle with this. You've got to engage with what is being said. You have to meditate upon the reality of what it declares and what it's supposed to be doing inside of you. You've got to agonize with that truth of what the word is saying about you and what you must do now. You have to let the word of God pierce your soul. What a different way to look at it. I know we're amongst a group of people who are faithful in reading the word. But I can tell you what God is doing in this house. And he's saying, you've got to do more than just read it. You've got to let it pierce you. 
That piercing effect is ongoing in a daily way. And if the men and the women in this room engage with the piercing of the word, this entire church is going to be transformed in the days that are ahead. You're going to see things that you've never seen before in your own walk as you let the word of God pierce you rightly. Amen. Do you guys want divine substance to be inside of you? An eternal substance that has not moved and stands the test of time? The piercing effect is needed to obtain that. When you draw close to God's word, you are drawing close for the purpose of it having a piercing effect on your own soul. And here's why. What piercing does is that it separates your own expectations and entitlements from the very will of God. And it will lead to your empowerment to then go and do the will of God. Let's all turn to Exodus 21 and everybody say piercing effect as you turn. Man, if the word had to pierce Mary's soul many times over, the mother of Jesus... What does that mean for us today? In Exodus 21 and verse 5. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. See, the Torah has laid out in just the verses that precede this, that any Hebrew servant would completely fulfill their obligation of service after six years, and in the seventh year, they were to go free. Without any payment, without any hindrance, without any obligation to them, they were able to go free in the seventh year. And having moved beyond that obligation, the servant makes a declaration, a wonderful and beautiful declaration. That he loves his master. That he loves his family and does not want to go free. Meaning that he does not want to be separate from who his master is. In that moment, he's declaring that he is giving up the very ownership of his entire life. But you've already learned today that a declaration of affection or a declaration of devotion is not enough. The declaration is only the initial step that you need to take. See, and even in our own mind, this is a fairly biblically literate church. You want to skip to the ear being pierced already, but you've missed the steps that are required even before you can get to that point. See, the next step in the process is that the master has to take the servant before the judges. Do a word study on that. That'll be an interesting one. I mean, are you able to see this pattern that that Jesus is laying out, that the word of God is laying out? The master takes the servant before the righteous standard of the word that bears witness, that testifies that it is more than just a declaration, but through action, this is now a reality that is taking shape in this person's life. See, the engagement with the righteous standard of God's word, it directs the servant to then follow the master to the entrance of the home where this all began. The very place of walking into the master's house and now having his ear pierced to that entrance. It was there at the door or doorpost 
also known as a mezuzah, that the servant would become permanently attached to the master's household. Better yet, permanently attached to the God-given function of the master's house. Without the word piercing your soul, without the word piercing your life, you will never have a permanent connection with your God-given purpose. Without the piercing of your soul, you never have the empowerment of being a part of the real family of God. Without yeah. the piercing of your own soul, you do not experience the permanent attachment with your God-given purpose. See, this idea that pastor was just speaking about, about moving beyond the obligation stage. This is absolutely describing my shalom this week. The word has been piercing me to have no other ulterior motives. No self-gain involved. Nothing to accomplish. Not trying to get a word for somebody else. Not trying to prepare for a sermon. Just being with him. I've never been closer. I've never felt stronger. I've never felt more confident. And this is what God is dealing with my heart about. Too many ulterior motives of getting into the word because I need something for them, of course. I need something for you. No. Move beyond the obligation, son. Let my word pierce your heart as it's never done before. I was pierced at foundations last week. I'm pierced every week at foundations for sure. When our pastors were talking about Abraham being referred to as a friend of God. So many things that you could say about Abraham. Moses was also referred to as a friend of God in Exodus. Daniel was a man who was called highly esteemed multiple times through the writings. John the apostle was called the one whom Jesus loved. Those men are examples of men who had incredible prophetic insight not just years ahead, not just hundreds of years ahead, but for some of them, literally millennia ahead of where they were standing in time. I doubt that these men were seeking the revelation as much as they were seeking the one who is the revelation. Yeah. It's because they were a friend of God. It's because they were highly esteemed. They understood how to get close to him. See, a passage that's meant a lot to me and it's been in my, on my mind and my heart this week is Jeremiah 3.15. You don't need to turn there. It says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Many of you have actually shared that verse with me over the course of time. I've gotten this verse probably 50 times in my life as an encouragement, and it has been every single time. God brought this to my attention this week. Then I will give you shepherds. After my own heart. Not just shepherds who were coming after me, but shepherds who were coming after me. Ones who are coming after his heart, who are after what makes him who he is. The ones that are saying, I want to be a shepherd. I don't want to just be like you. I want to have your heart. I am after his heart. The fruit of that gets to be that you lead with knowledge and understanding. How many times are we seeking things, church, and it's obligatory, it's obligation? What God has been doing in my life is saying, put the obligation aside. Let my word pierce you. I've been growing in my desire to have my own soul pierced with his word, with his presence. 
had a few opportunities this week. I was supposed to have lunch with a few of you, and work schedules caused it not to be able to work out. That's no problem. What I wanted to do was then fill my time with something else. And I went, wait. This is how slow I am sometimes. Wait. He's given me time just to be close to him. Just to let me have my heart pierced by his word. Those are some of my favorite times of the entire week was just being with him. Church I'm looking to is never before to engage, to wrestle, to be pierced over and over and over and over and over in my life until the point of full transformation in every single area. Full empowerment, seeing the fruit of boldness, the fruit of confidence, the, inf- the fruit of zeal that comes from being in the real family of God, firmly and permanently attached to my God-given purpose. I know that if he's doing that in me, I know that it is his desire to do that in you as well. Amen. So let's put this together. The piercing effect in Mary's life led to her empowerment in the family of God. The servant in Exodus 21 was pierced so that he and his family could be secured to their God-given purpose in the master's house. Now, with the empowerment of God and divine purpose in place, what must you do? Produce. Everybody say produce. Produce. Produce what? Produce Heavenly substance that stands through eternity. Produce the real substance that comes from the eternal and weighty word of God. The very substance that unceasingly yields righteous results. The word of God that sustains the weary. The word of God that wakens the dead. And the word of God that transforms lives into the image and very glory of God. Everyone turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. And verse 17, say piercing effect as you turn. Piercing effect. I'm reading out of the NASB as you follow along. For momentary light affliction is producing. Is producing. For us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Realize that your piercing is only momentary. It's affliction light when compared to the empowerment and purpose that is producing for us an everlasting weight of glory. An everlasting weight of glory that is unrivaled and uncontested. The eternal weight of glory that is founded and sustained by his matchless word. You know how God's word has been piercing my soul this week? It's been during the time I sit down to get into his word. But I'm easily diverted to first seeking and getting a word for others. I miss the whole point that I need to keep engaging his word until it pierces my own soul first. The ongoing transformation needed in my own heart is that I want to be lazy and complacent. I want to just let the word come alive to me with ease. With with little effort of seeking God's face. I don't want to labor for hours to get to the point where I have an eternal and enduring word from the heavens. 
I want the word to deal with me. And then let's move on to how this can bless others. The reality is that there is no word worth blessing others with if I didn't toil to the truth of how it first applies to me. The reality is that there's no word worth blessing others with if I didn't toil to the truth of how it first applies to me. Wrestling with my own condition and not quitting until it has pierced through my pride and self-inflation. The very things that say, I'm really not doing that bad. I just need a bit of polite encouragement for the Lord. I mean, from the Lord. It looks something like this. What I'm expecting. Lord, I'm doing good? Yeah, you're doing good. Great, that's what I thought. (laughs) The truth is that I have carnally miscalculated the time required to reach the depth of my own heart. To this, I say no more. No more. I must long for the arduous endeavor to be transformed by his word. I must crave the carving of my own soul performed by the scalpel of scripture. I need and must love the piercing of my own mind, will, and emotions because it is the glory of God that's at stake in us. It's a must. We're building a church who's going to love the piercing of the word each and every day. Pastor read from 2 Corinthians 4.17 out of the NASB. I want to show you a slide that allows us to read this in the amplified version. For our light momentary affliction, you know, this slight distress of the passing hour, is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. Why don't my words ring as weighty as another person's? I think you know the exact answer now. If someone is speaking to you and you can feel an eternal weight, an everlasting weight of glory, you know that that man has been, sift- has been sifted and pierced by the word of God. You know that in that case, that piercing has taken place. And achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations of vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. The process that we are going through now is one that carries on and carries forward into eternity. Look, I ask you, saints, how was Paul able to produce such a statement to the church in Corinth that is now echoing inside of your ears? He lived on the absolute dependency of the substance of God's eternal word. It constantly afflicted his flesh while restoring his very soul, giving weighty substance to the man and thereby giving weighty substance to the man's words. Come on, is anybody like me in this house and you want your words to be more weighty? This is how you do it. This is the process when you have the word of God piercing you over and over and over again. That adds the weightiness of the glory of God to your life. 
Look at what Paul goes on to say in chapter 10 of the, of the same book. And in verse 10, he says, For some say his letters are weighty and forceful. Now, think about this. They're saying this about Paul. But in person, he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> That's recorded for eternity by the man that they're talking about. I think they're regretting saying that right I now. I think they're regretting saying that. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. <laughs> I love that response. See, when a man or woman of God has experienced the ongoing piercing of engaging God's word, outer appearance and perception is of no comparison to the weightiness of what they will produce when they're walking in their empowered purpose for God. See, when you're filled with the eternal substance of God's word, criticism cannot cling to you. Despair cannot drown you. You are full of eternal substance that will outmatch and outlast every lie of the devil and all of his puppets. See, realize what opportunity that you have, saints of the living God. You are men and women that have been given the opportunity to partake of the same piercings that Jesus Christ partook of. You are men and women who will produce the glory of Christ because you've been born of Christ, who is the eternal word of God. Let me read to you out of 1 Peter 1. 23 through 25 in the NASB. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Verse 24, for all flesh is like grass. Some of your translation, translations say people, men, but all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This word flesh illustrates the temporal actions of our nature. Let's put up the next slide. All flesh is like grass. This is Strong's number 4561, Sarks, generally negative, referring to the making decisions, actions according to self. That is done apart from faith, independent from God's inworking. This skips down. In short, flesh generally relates to unaided human effort. That is decisions or actions that originate from self or are empowered by self. This is carnal of the flesh and proceeds out of the untouched, unchanged part of us that is what is not transformed by God. Engaging the enduring word of God until it pierces your own soul is designed to put to death your own unaided, self-empowered, untouched, unchanged, and unregenerated human efforts. God's aim through his word is to transform these areas of your soul so that you can produce the only glory worth having, his glory. Like Mary, like the servant in Exodus 21, 
like Isaiah, who Peter is quoting in this passage, and like Paul, you have to access the eternal substance of heaven, his word. And you must produce words that are filled with his weighty and enduring word with his glory. See, this is what the Lord is doing in our midst. He's allowing our hearts, our souls to be pierced by his words. And he is wanting to do this in an ever-increasing fashion. Look at what 1 Peter 1 and verse 24 and 25 says. Again, as Pastor read, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then there's a tagline on that verse that we need to catch. And this is the word that has been preached to you. This is what you have received. Let us help you as we transition to the next section here. Piercing of the word of God. See, in Mary, the piercing of the word led her to empowerment in the family of God. In the servant, the piercing of the word was so that he and his family could be secured to the God-given purpose in the master's house. In Paul, you saw that the piercing of the word caused him to produce heavenly substance that stands through eternity. And in you, church, the ongoing piercing of the word will cause you to be able to proclaim the enduring and the eternal word of God because that is the word of God that has pierced you and changed you. Let's look together at Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 1. It says this, Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. Hey, don't forget, saints, that your proclamation is more important than you think that it is. A life that has been thoroughly and ongoingly pierced by the word is a life that testifies to the heavenly realm. Did you hear that? It said, listen up, heavens. Hi, because I've been a man that has been pierced by the word of God, I actually have something to say that is worth hearing. See, 1 Peter teaches that the angels are longing to look into the mysterious accomplishment unique in all of creation, namely that those men and women who have been pierced by the word of God all the way until empowerment are now serving others, proclaiming others, and even declaring the truth that the heavens must pay attention to. Then it goes on to say, listen up, earth. The words that I say are not the wisdom of men, but the revelation that has come from the ongoing piercing of the word in my life. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Listen to these because they're falling like rain. Because they've been genuinely part of the transformation. The ongoing empowerment that the word of God has wrought inside of me. Amen. Let's pick up now in verse 3 of Deuteronomy 32. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. For those who are familiar with the piercing from the word, you can proclaim that which you have experienced. You can testify to his rock-like perfect character, his righteous reputation, and his just name. 
This is because the piercing causes you to experience each of these aspects of his greatness. For those who have become familiar of the piercing from the word, you can proclaim his faithfulness because you have had to be resurrected many times over and have found out that he never fails to be perfectly upright, holy, just, and good to you and me. The piercing effect gives you something to proclaim to the heavenly powers. It gives you something of substance to proclaim to the earth-bound saints and sinners alike. Church, the reality of this is this keeps you from just parroting, mimicking, echoing the things that you've heard because they have now become reality in your life. It's not just something that you're saying anymore. It's an actual proclamation from the validity, from the truthfulness, from the testimony of what the piercings have done inside of you. In a day when the Lord is causing ministry to come from this place, this is the necessary step. It's a necessary ingredient. It is the necessary foundation of you being able to minister. Anyone can pair it. Only those who have been pierced can proclaim. And that is what God is working in our midst. He's working inside of our hearts in. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 1 together. First John chapter one, say piercing effect as you're turning there. First John chapter one and verse one says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched this. We proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. See, the best kind of proclamation, it comes from those who have actually heard with their own ears the word of life. They have actually seen with their own eyes the supernatural attestation that comes from a life fully empowered by the heavens. From those who have put their own hands to the plow, they understand what it feels like to have this scripture move and pierce your own heart. They have been changed personally and they are able to proclaim that kind of interaction with the God of all heaven. See, they're not afraid that they don't have the right thing to say because they've lived something yes. and it gives, them, it gives them weighty words to be able to proclaim. Their hand is on the plow. Yeah. Don't tell me what it feels like to have a plow in your hand if you've never had a plow in your hand. Don't tell me what the weightiness of something feels like if you've never actually borne up underneath it. But if you have. Man, but if you've been pierced by the word, share that with us, brother. Proclaim that because we will hear the reality in what you've experienced. We will know yes. that it's more than a parrot. It's a proclamation. And that is moving my, that is moving us. It's piercing us even as the word pierced you. Amen. This, dear saints, is the only kind of proclamation. This is the only kind of proclamation that is fitting for the word of life. Because it has appeared to us, and we are constantly being pierced by it. And when you proclaim, it gives others the opportunity to be pierced by the same word that pierced your soul. Amen. I want to highlight something real quick. You guys know what it's like when you go to share a word, and you're sitting in front of men and women of God who have 
a very intimate relationship with the word. And the minute it begins to come out of your mouth, you, you can tell that they can see that it has no real substance. It has no real weight. You begin to cringe on the inside. You either lock up in speech and cannot find the next word, or you babble on and on, circularly trying to find some meaning or point to it. Like the words of Simeon to Mary, that experience is a blessing. That experience is the piercing effect. That we have brothers and sisters in here that take the word of God so seriously that when we just go to share something, it's going to immediately measure whether or not we've been pierced by that word. Verse 3 of First John. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Our proclamation is for the stated purpose of having a familial fellowship. A familial fellowship with those who are living in the same family as the Father and his Son. That this piercing effect is what draws us closer together and signifies that we are of the same family. This should make your joy completely filled up to the brim and overflowing to everyone that comes in contact with you. Amen. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1 for our final scripture of the day. Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Say piercing effect as you're turning there. It says this, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Church, the Lord is continually sharing with this body about the things that are going to soon take place. We don't have the time to waste to not let God's word pierce our heart in an ongoing way. We do not have time to waste. There are battles that are before us. There are things that still must be cut away in us, as that's what the result of that piercing will be. It's cutting away. It's giving us the weightiness to our words. It's giving us something to proclaim because there are things that will soon take place, church. How long will things stay like this? They're going to stay like this until they change, but when they do, God is already proclaiming to us what the near future, the things that soon must take place. <laughs> After all, he's talking to the, to the Apostle John here, and this is several thousand years ago. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies. Everybody say testify. Testify. To everything that he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The word of God. What it actually says, going to your actual Bible and opening it up and reading the words that are written there and the testimony, the, what the, what that word in fact has pierced you with, your engagement with that word as you've wrestled with it, the truth that has come to you, not just in an intellectual sense, but what God has used to transform you from that word. 
this word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Church, like Simeon's words to Mary, there's a blessing in knowing the difficulty of what lies before us. The necessity of the ongoing piercing of the word. It is a blessing because you're doing more than just hearing it. You're rather taking it to heart. You're asking for the word of God to pierce you. You are wrestling and engaging with it until it does change you. Church, the time is near. We have no time to waste. We must let the word of God pierce us in an ongoing way. Amen. I couldn't appreciate more. The hunger that you guys have for God's word. Here's what we're trying to accomplish this morning. As pastors, we're trying to make sure you have the right understanding of the phrase, engage God's word. Because for too long, we've used that statement and thrown it around, but have been absent of it actually piercing our soul. What does it look like? I mean, really. It looks like engaging God's word until the piercing is so much hitting the center of your being that your breath is being taken away. That your heart is crushed at the reality of what's really inside of it. A piercing effect that so much gives you the empowerment of heaven and it begins to take hold of your life because you're part of the family of God operating in the empowerment of God. A piercing effect that is ongoing because transformation needs to be ongoing. A transformation that is ever further attaching your purpose to our master's house. A clarity a preciseness about your purpose in mezuzah. A piercing effect that grabs the center of your being and with every fiber you can't help but produce heavenly substance that stands for an eternity. It's what natively flows out of you. People know it. They crave it and they want it because it's real substance. A piercing effect that is able to empower your speech and proclaim the word that then has the same piercing effect on others. You may ask yourself, why is it that when I speak, not only does it not have weight, but it just really doesn't bring about transformation like it does when I see when other people share? It's because you need to start in the first place, the first step. Let the word of God pierce your own soul first. Stand to your feet with us today. We want to have a very specific altar call for us today. If you know that you need to let the word of God pierce you evermore, that should be every man and every woman in the room. 
we want to encourage you to reach out to God and begin to ask him to do something inside of you and let the word of his word pierce you in an ongoing fashion. The altar today is going to be a little bit different. We're not asking you if you need to have the word of God pierce you more. We know that you do because we do. And that's what the Lord's been speaking to us. So we're sharing you directly from what he said to us. The altar today, I'd like to put up Isaiah um, 6, 5. The altar today is for those of you who are in this room. Isaiah is standing in the throne room of God with the doorpost being shook, being shaken by the very presence of God. In that setting, the word of God is coming to him and he's crying out, what was me? I think that's why we don't like the piercing, Pastor. As we want to feel like the Lord's approval is always upon us without us having to do anything in response. Isaiah is in God's presence saying, woe is me. I now see what the standard really is and I'm ruined. He is a prophet of God and he's saying, yeah, my lips, they're completely unclean compared to you. My whole people, I, I don't even want to talk about them. I live amongst the people. I want this altar to be today for those of you who are in this room. And you feel like you're ruined and you cannot do what we're saying. Because you've allowed faithlessness and fear to dominate your heart. You don't even get into the presence of God before you say, I'm ruined. You just said, I'm ruined, and I will therefore not enter into the presence of God. I'm going to parrot. I'm going to mimic. I like the people. I like the environment. But for me, I feel like I can't, and I'm being crushed already before I even try. That's going to be gone in Jesus' name from the people in this room. This altar is if you're saying, I feel like I'm already ruined but I need God's word to come and pierce and change that and remove that from my wicked heart. Raise your hands and pray with me. Mighty God, we want to be pierced by your word today in a special kind of way. Lord, we want to have that as we enter into your presence, we see what must be removed because your word is piercing us. Lord, would you work on the men and the women in this room who've let fear dominate their hearts, who have already determined their own failure in parenting, in their marriage, in their own life, and they are living, parroting the right words, but not having the true piercing that needs to come from your word. Move upon the men and the women in this room, Lord. Let your piercing in our soul take effect let the piercing of your word have its way in us today. In Jesus' name.